Hey y'all, I'm Nada and you're listening to Underground. So today's guest is someone I absolutely adore. I love his music. His tracks have ranked number one on various charts on Beatport. He stands for and believes in making club culture a safe space for everyone involved. He was also featured on the Mixmag cover this year. His name is Anthony and he goes by the artist name Absolute. Hey Anthony, thank you so much for coming on board. Really psyched to ask you so many questions that I've actually prepared for you. So um, thank you for coming. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Okay, uh, so I'm going to just dive right into it. When did you discover your love for music and where did it all start for you? Um, thinking about that, I've always just been obsessed with dance music as a kid. I think the very first time I remember hearing a dance record, it was, um, they had a, like a carnival in my hometown and um, there was like lots of trucks with like music blasting and then there'd be people kind of performing and all the floats would be decorated. And then there was a troop of like majorettes coming, like spinning batons. <laughs> I mean, it's so camp. Um, and yeah. Outblasting was um, theme from S-Express by um yeah by s express and it was um i just never heard like music that kind of just gave me that energy before and just yeah just such a high like joyful energy that uh, i think coupled with the fact that there was like majorettes everywhere <laughs> like, um, it, that kind of um yeah that energy just kind of really hooked me in and then i, I at sort of primary school i'd be listening to like rave cassettes just really drawn to like yeah like energetic music i guess dance music and yeah. then from there, it kind of just grew, um, you know, that passion just never, never left me. And um, I would be buying vinyl before I really had anything to play it on. And then when I was about 14, my dad gave me some money to get some school clothes. And um, instead of getting school clothes, I went and bought a record deck, just like one deck. <laughs> <That's so laughs> I managed to like haggle them down. Uh, and that just kind of fueled my passion even more. And then I was just, just like spending all my money on records, basically. Um, and it kind of just kept growing from there. And then when I was a late teenager, I got my first gig in like my local town um which basically happened because i would just be going to the record shop in torquay that was called sounds like all the time yeah and the how guy old who ran the rec- um i think i must have been about 18 at this point but i was kind of going to the record shop you yeah. know from like teenage years um but i think i was like 18 or 19 and then he finally and he was like i because i was there so often he like offered to give me my first slot at like the local club and um, <laughs> then I think um, a couple of months after that, I entered like a, D- a DJ competition that um, Bacardi were running. It was like a national DJ competition. And I'd only really been playing out for like a couple of months. So I didn't really think too much of it. But um, yeah, I ended up going through winning all the, all the heats and then ended up like winning the national competition. That's amazing. Yeah, to kind of keep going, basically. Um, also, so you've, you've played in some of the most iconic clubs in UK, like Fabric and uh, Dalston Superstore, which I know are your favourites. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> which was the first club that you played at in, in the UK? And also, how did you build on from there as an artist, as in to get to where you are today? Yeah, so I mean, I kind of grew up in a small town. So even though I had my first gig back then, like I never knew that music could be my career. Like, and just there was, you know, I was just like a young queer kid in a small town. No one ever gave me any inclination that I could ever do this as, you know, as something that would support me and like be a, an actual career choice. It just like, you know, it just never happened. So I think it just, yeah, getting that first gig, it was a club called Claire's in Torquay. I think I got paid like 50 pounds or something. And um, <laughs> I was playing like techno and trance and the music at the time in that area was quite hard so it was all yeah hard techno and hard trance and then I think from there I started putting on my own club nights in the area just like smaller ones which is a great thing to do if 
you know, for DJs sort of coming through, you know, if you're not getting booked by anyone, just create your own party, create your own scene. And then obviously you get to book yourself. So, uh, and that kind of helped just like create a small network of people. But because it was in a place called Torquay, the, the scene was quite small. So it didn't take very long to kind of just do everything that, you know, was was that I was to do in a small seaside town. And then I moved to London when I think I was about 25. Um, and I started working at a DJ agency basically just because I wanted to put them to put me on the roster and then from there kind of had to just start completely from fresh again and just build up my networks and try and you know hustle and get gigs and it's kind of just yeah knocking on lots of doors and then finally getting your foot in like you know in these areas going to the clubs and just making sure that you're part of the scene and getting to know people and then it was kind of like a natural progression from there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, putting putting events together, etc., can you tell us about the official London Pride party that took over the main stage of the Milkshake Festival in Amsterdam a few years ago? Oh uh, yeah, so that was um yeah that was two different parties actually. That was kind of when my club night was at its kind of it was just really like at its peak. It was with with the Pride party. I think it was like the biggest event that I'd done. Um, it's probably the most stressful day of, of my life actually <laughs> because we had to do um we put a Pride float together um which kind of everything went wrong on the float. <laughs> just like the person who was decorating it, like didn't do kind of the things we're going to do. And so we kind of, it was just like scrambling around. So there's so many like bits of red tape around pride that you've got to kind of jump through. And then there was, I don't know, I think we had like the wrong fuel or something. There's like loads of different like little things. But anyway, we, we got through it and we got through it because there was like, I mean, probably about 50 of us and performers. Uh, and then the actual pride event itself was just one of my favorite events ever. Just like the energy... Um, it was kind of like chaos, but it was, I kind of love that <laughs> night when it's just like, just, yeah, loads of chaos, but just really fun. But that's kind of for me when it kind of then, it really sort of took on a whole new level. And I realized that if I really wanted to kind of dedicate my time to create these events, then it was going to probably detract from making music because when it kind of got to that larger scale, it just was so much pressure and so much um, time to actually kind of make it all happen. Yeah, it kind of, I made a decision actually after the Milkshake Festival though. So we did, did the Pride event which is incredible and then took um flew over like 50 performers to to amsterdam to one of my favorite festivals in the world um which is milkshake festival which is a huge queer festival basically and you've got everything there from disco or techno or you know live music kind of anything you want to do you can hear but just to be in a space um because we often create these safe spaces where we can kind of feel free and liberated but it was the first time i'd been to a huge event where you can kind of your sort of safe space is massive and everywhere you go you feel free and it's just such a powerful feeling it was honestly it's, it's incredible um and then yeah but it kind of got to that point where i was like okay do i do i want to keep doing this which was paying my rent and it was kind of you know keeping me um keep supporting me and it was great that we could create these events for people that just you know it felt like a family like we were all really wanted everyone to do well and it wasn't like a bitchy scene it was you know it was a really beautiful thing but I then made the decision to just completely stop everything else apart from making music and that's kind of when I took the leap of faith and when things started to kind of um, take off for me as as the absolute project yeah did that scare you um yeah it was terrifying yeah terrifying especially i mean i mean i think there's always like these leaps of faith you take in life and they kind of seem whenever i've taken a leap of faith over the universe has kind of come up to support me or you basically there's no plan b so you kind of just have to go all guns blazing until you actually get there and yeah it's it's terrifying but the reward is the kind of the biggest payoff 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, what's your favorite part about club culture in the UK, and what has it been like for you being a part of? It? Yeah, I think community, one hundred percent. I guess coming from a queer scene, it feels you know a lot more like family especially lots of people don't have that support from their family some people are kicked out of their house houses you know there's still a long way to go and uh, so for me queer spaces and club culture they kind of come together and create a whole new experience it's not just about going out and getting drunk or you know going wild the music is obviously a huge part of that but then you have this it's almost like you're doing that but with your family and in a place where you feel free and that for me is the most powerful thing I love he, she, they speak of that because I've followed so many of the events. I also know that they came to India and they have this amazing feeling about like their events. I mean, because, because that's the only thing I can relate to. And I honestly, club culture besides that has been so terrifying generally because it's just so many creeps and you just don't feel like you can be yourself. And when I see stuff like that, it just makes me feel so happy when I see events like Hishi Day and they just like, you know, just, you know, celebrate you and you kind of just wear what you want, do what you want. No one's judging you. That's just, it's so good. And um, yeah. I think there should be more of that, like everywhere. For sure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's so, it's so necessary. And I feel that's one of the really amazing things about London is that you do have this incredible scene and you can, you can go to a queer party and listen to any type of music that you want. You know, there's all these different nuances of scenes. And for me, like that's the, the joy of London. And yeah, Hishi, they, um, they're all really close friends of mine. I like, you know, adore them all. It's such a powerful, powerful and, and you know, necessary night. Um, and again, but yeah, there's 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 a lot of great parties happening in in London that have that sense of community and you know just letting go and let, being yourself and it's yeah it's it's so important uh, as everywhere opens up again and I get to tour internationally again like being able to kind of you know just kind of give a glimmer of hope if I uh, for people that you know maybe don't have a circum uh, not in a, not in a circumstance to actually just be able to live in their yeah. full truth at the moment if they see me bouncing around this big neon. Like, <laughs> Hopefully it gives them a bit of just, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully it gives like a bit them a bit of a positive. I'm sure it does. You know. I'm sure it does. I think it does more than you know. Um, okay, so what um, what door do you use? Like, when did you start producing? So I do everything on Ableton now. Um, but I think, I mean, when I first started, there was a program called um, Dance EJ, which is like really, really old, very basic production software. And then I think I used FL Studio for a little while, which is like Fruity Loop back then. And then onto Logic. And now I'm on Ableton. And Ableton for me just... It just speeds up my workflow. Yeah, it's, it's the one that I've just really been able to kind of create music much quicker on. So that's my go-to choice. Yeah, I think I have Ableton's really cool. Um, I'm, I'm a logic person, but I really want to learn Ableton. And I know like bits and pieces of it because it, it's just the layout that I'm still trying to get used to. So I still have to. So that's my learning goal right now. Yeah, um, I think it's worth it. Yeah, it took me a little while to kind of transition over, but... Once you do, I think you break through that barrier of just that initial not really knowing what anything is or where they go or, yeah. you know, once you, and then start learning all your shortcuts. It's, yeah, it just speeds up your workflow. But I guess oh. they, they all do the same thing, don't they? So it's whatever you feel most, yeah. most comfortable with. Yeah, of course. So you've been praised by artists like Alan Fitzpatrick, Dave Clark, Annie Mack and Maya Jane Cole, of course. Can you take us through one of your productions that you're that you love personally, and basically take take us through how you went about it, and you know the, your favorite plugins, etc. Um, yeah, uh, maybe I can load something up actually. Um, I think for me, what I I I always use a lot of um, like I use a distortion plugin on pretty much 
like everything it's like one of the d16 plugins and i kind of basically go in put put it on everything and then kind of pull it back until it's at a level where it's not um yeah it's not so bad that it just sounds terrible but um, i i really love the textures and distortion and stuff so i put that on pretty much everything um and in terms of um what, what i'm discovering more and more now as well is i used to kind of just throw everything at it and there'd be like you know hundreds of different instruments going on and then now i kind of just trying to learn to kind of bring everything back so that it's kind of a bit more strips and i think i've discovered that when i did string theory which is like a sort of big orchestral techno tune like big dramatic techno tune where um i layered a few of the sounds together so there was like a, a cello and a violin that i layered for the main lead but instead of yeah instead of them all playing different things they i just kind of reinforced the the lead part and then with the strings basically did like i think four different strings so it was kind of like a string ensemble but they're all playing the same part so it just kind of boosts each sound so you're kind of really getting that cutting through and you're really feeling the emotion but it's not loads of stuff going on and then coupled with a really sort of banging techno kick on that one um, and that for me was just like a really nice formula of simple but effective yeah i'm gonna try that <laughs> <laughs> okay um what has been your biggest challenge as a producer and also as an artist uh, i think believing in yourself is and just having the sort of tenacity to just keep going regardless of what happens like that is um i mean especially i mean there's just been so many setbacks that i've so many like hurdles that i've had to jump through so many times where i think things are about to kind of pop off and i was like okay this is it and then you know something happens and it doesn't work like so the hardest thing is just keeping on believing in yourself regardless of the circumstances and just you've just got to know that you can get through this and you can do it and that's i think the only way that you can really push through for me anyway i mean i'm so glad you brought that up because my next question is exactly about that um <laughs> <laughs> so um, I read up about how you wrote your whole mixtape uh, during the lockdown from your bedroom. I love that you get real about the fact that there are difficulties or you like you have creative blocks that you face as an artist. So could you share with our listeners like what you felt and you know how you countered that and also why you named uh, your release Wonderland? Yeah, so basically at the start of lockdown, I mean, I'm sure it was the same for so many producers and just people in general. I just felt so deflated. You know, we didn't know what was coming on. We didn't know how long we were going to be in this you know this pandemic and how long we were going to have to be sort of locked away um, and I just lost all of my creative drive I was norm I'm normally just very like I'm very ambitious and I'm very quite I'm hard on myself and I'm normally you know just go 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 just make it happen keep working um, but then when lockdown hit I just lost all of that drive and um and that for a couple of weeks I just felt yeah really just completely deflated and I just had no energy so then I, I was like okay how can I kind of start trying to counteract this so I ended up doing an idea generation course by a guy called Mike Monday and um, he was giving them away free at the time just to kind of help artists you know with their creative blocks because of the pandemic and um, I just kind of really took to it and I ended up writing like 100 track demos in a couple of weeks which is just like insane amount uh, more than I've ever written that kind of just got me out of my my creative hole basically um, and then from there that kind of became the seeds of Wonderland because I'd then I'd kind of got over that block from just writing and not really caring about the outcome of it. So often, you know, if you if you're writing music and you're like, okay, would I be able to play it here? You know, is this going to go on the radio or is this going to be in a techno club? What you know? And I think just getting rid of that idea of where it's going to go and just kind of trying to get in the process of actually just creating and just getting into a flow. And um, that for me was a really sort of big step in just overcoming my creative block. From there, I kind of I ended up just carrying on writing them through lockdown. I was like, okay, well. I've got this big body of work already and um, I actually only ended up using one of the tracks from that initial period on on the mixtape you know we had all this time so I just kept writing and then just kind of picking out the ones that I felt 
fit the journey. But there was in lockdown where I was just really drawn to euphoric rave and hardcore. Um, I just wanted to feel free again, I think. So we were just so trapped that I just needed to create these moments just for myself almost. It was like a therapy just to kind of get through these feelings of frustration and just to kind of feel connected to something again. I just started writing. I would envision playing and dancing to at like giant outdoor UK raves with all of my favourite people. And I just, you know, for just for a brief minute to kind of feel that release. And it was during that time that I discovered that the building that I was actually in lockdown in, the exact location used to be home to this legendary rave space in the 90s um, called Wonderland Arena. It was just such a weird coincidence that the one space I'm locked down in, you know, in the world, and it was at the exact moment that I'm channeling all this energy of that exact moment and that era of, of rave. Um, and it was just such a weird coincidence that I felt like, okay, I mean, like, it was almost like the energy from back in the day was like seeping through the walls and I was like <laughs> channeling it and, re, you know, representing it in a, in a new way to a new generation. Um, and it just felt like, yeah, the, the universe was saying, okay, like you're on, <laughs> you're on the right track, like keep going with this. So of course, because of that, I had to call it the album Wonderland in its honour. Yeah, that's that's wicked. I love it. I mean, I read up about it, but I really wanted you to share that with the listeners. I found that so fascinating. Okay, um, I also wanted to ask you, um, what do you kind of tell yourself when you are going through a low as an artist, like self-talk? You know, like a guideline for other artists when they have to go through something like that. Like, what do you say to yourself that kind of pushes you into doing something about it? Yeah, I think for me, I found like getting out in nature has been a good key to just kind of help unlock that darkness. Because sometimes... I I mean, I guess, especially when you were just trapped and locked away, I just found even just going for a walk in the park, like next to my house or by marshes and, and canals, it's quite green. Um, and that really helped me to kind of just sort of get perspective on stuff and just start, I think, um, and the, the key is kind of trying to flip it and turn it into thinking about what you're actually grateful for. So gratitude is like such a powerful thing that can really sort of transform your mindset. So for me, yeah, getting out in nature and trying to think of the things that I'm actually grateful for are the ones that, just start help and then also you know if you've got friends that make you laugh or pick you up then you know give them a call um that's a very helpful tip thank you and um... and also loud music dance dance <laughs> it out <laughs> yeah definitely also um what have uh what have been your biggest highlights of your journey so far wow um i think uh when i was able to do the cover of mix mag that was just an insane career goal for me like I'd always had it on my bucket list I knew it was going to happen at some point I was like you know I was certain of that but I just didn't know when and it happened a lot sooner than you know I thought it was going to happen but I was just yeah it's so incredibly thankful that I was able to do that um, and then uh, my album and being able to put a big body of work together and release that in the way that you know actually being able to release it in the way that I first presented it to the label was um I was so happy that we could do that because I thought sometimes you know there's different snags or like licensing or you know certain things that I thought maybe got in the way but th that was able to come out and the way that it was received by everyone was incredible and then I think finally my first ever live show which happened a couple of months ago now that for me because I feel like I'd been kind of breaking through when we were in lockdown so it was incredible that I got to do all these amazing stuff that I've been wanting to do my whole career and you know to be able to see that things are starting to move forward but then I didn't have any interaction with anyone in real life so it was kind of like this it was in this weird limbo moment it's like well do I can see that I'm on the cover here and this I'm getting all this feedback and this is amazing I'm getting yeah. all these plays but I was like but does anyone know like it's you know does anyone know who I am or is anyone listening and so and then when I did the live show and it was kind of 
of in real life in a room of people and the energy you know it was just like people just got into it so much the energy and the love was honestly just blew me away so much that it kind of just filled up my soul and kind of took away all the doubts that the self-doubt that you know I had over that that period and just kind of gave me a a boost you know to keep going on and being like okay now it's going to be all right (laughs) so that that's yeah that was a really profound moment for me lovely also so what would your piece of advice be to to people who are striving to be artists themselves yeah i think trying to just work out who you are and surround yourself with people that let you be yourself is a just a powerful starting block because i think if you're in a space where you can feel like yourself then you can start to develop your artistry and also it's just believe in yourself never ever fucking give up that's just like you know you just got to keep going and know that it's not just a quick fix you know you it's it's a marathon not a sprint so be prepared to enjoy the ride and be in for the long haul yeah that's beautiful all right this has been really fun thank you so much for coming on board i loved every bit of it this was really fun uh, thank you so much yeah i really enjoyed it too it's so nice to chat to you and that was absolute aka anthony if you guys have any sort of questions or if you would like to send me a message you could do that by clicking on the link below or you could drop me a message on my instagram handle which is at the rate n-i-d-a-c-h-a-k-r-a-b-o-r-d-y Until next time, thank you for tuning in.